0: It's only 9.52 and it hasn't taken long for the Lord to speak to me about my children and this abuse situation and how He wants me to respond. I felt the Spirit as I was doing this long recording for my kids, actually it ended with a message for my kids, but I felt the Spirit just quickening in me to trust the Lord, to absolutely trust the Lord and not take matters in my own hands. And I... um, I was walking around praying and I felt prompted to pick up Oswald Chambers today. I rarely read it, but to read the 24th. And the scripture is, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. Psalm 123.2 This verse is a description of total reliance on God. Just as the eyes of a servant are riveted on his master, our eyes should be directed to and focused on God. This is how knowledge of his countenance is gained and how God reveals himself to us. See Isaiah fifty three one. Isaiah fifty three one is, is who has believed a message who has believed our message it's the coming of Christ. Our spiritual strength begins to be drained when we stop lifting our eyes to him. Our stamina is sapped, not so much through external troubles surrounding us, but through problems in our thinking. We wrongfully think, well, I suppose I've been stretching myself a little too much, standing too tall and trying to look like God instead of being an ordinary humble person. We have to realize that no effort can be too high. For example, you came to a crisis in your life, you took a stand for God, and even had the witness of the Spirit as a confirmation that what you did was right, but now... Maybe weeks or years have gone by, and you are slowly coming to the conclusion, well, maybe what I did showed too much pride or was superficial. Was I taking a stand a bit too high for me? Your, quote, rational friends come and say, don't be silly. We knew when you first talked about this spiritual awakening that it was just a passing impulse that you couldn't hold up under the strain. And anyway, God doesn't expect you to endure. You respond by saying, well, I suppose I was expecting too much. That sounds humble to say, but it means that your reliance on God is gone, and you are now relying on worldly opinion. The danger comes when no longer relying on God, you neglect to focus your eyes on Him. You Only when God brings you to a sudden stop will you realize that you have been the loser. Whenever there is a spiritual drain in your life, correct it immediately. Realize that something has been coming between you and God and change it or remove it at once. What's awesome about this message is, this is exactly what my own mother had posed to me a couple of days ago when she said, I just want you to think about this. Is this really you just trying in your own effort because you don't want to be seen as giving up on God and that maybe there's some pride in here and you know, you're really just afraid that you're going to be letting God down? I mean, that is uncanny that this message would be the exact thing that my own mother just tried to talk me into not even four or five days ago. I just really want you to just, Michael, I just want you to think about this. You don't have to answer now. Just think about this. Could it be that you're trying, you've heard, misheard from God, and that you're trying too hard uh, because of pride? You don't want to look wrong like you've misheard from God. And, I mean, is that not unbelievable? And so I feel like the message obviously is is really specific to today about who am I going to rely on. If you listen to the message that I just left the 60-minute message was all about, am I going to now think that God is inept? That He's done all these amazing things where I've been able to totally rely upon Him standing and just watching Him do the deliverance and now all of a sudden He won't do this because it's my kids? And my message was, Is He? can He do all the miracle things He did in the court system for me and the lives of people and judges but now He's too inept to protect my kids from a from a, from a, a grumpy old man? I mean, is that what I'm going to now believe? So... While I was in prayer and doing that recording, I also saw 848, just walked in as I was declaring my faith in the Lord, looked up the clock, say 848, which is Jesus Christ saying, go in peace. Your faith has delivered you. And then I see 919, uh, 25 minutes, 30 minutes later, and that's telling me to stay put. And so I am, and then I saw 901 which is, uh, you know, the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who follow His precepts have good understanding. It's the fear of the Lord. And then that ended up being a message that I shared with the kids, that my fear is not in that something will happen to you or uh, anything that God, you know, can't take care of. My fear is in disobeying the Father. So I feel like God has honored this time this morning where I have sought His face already. God has given me an answer um, it's interesting these this psalm 123 i lift up my eyes to you to you whose throne is in heaven as the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress so our eyes look to the lord our god till he shows us mercy have mercy on us O lord have mercy on us for we have endured much contempt We have endured much ridicule from the proud, much contempt from the arrogant. Isn't it interesting that this is the same scripture God keeps showing me over and over again. Um, I think it's Psalm 40. In fact, I'm just going to look it up real quick. It's Psalm 40, verse 4, and it says, I quote, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, To those who turn aside to false gods, saying, Don't trust in proud men that don't trust in God. Trust in God. And here is the same scripture Have mercy on us, O Lord. Mercy on us, for we have endured much contempt. We've endured much ridicule from the proud. All of my messages over the last couple of days have been all about, or weeks have been all about, enduring ridicule from the proud. Um, then as interesting as that is, one of the scriptures that God led me to this morning, second 2 Chronicles 2012, our God, will you not judge them for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. This is a, uh, uh, Jehoshaphat second 2 Chronicles 2012. What does it say? Our eyes are on you. As the eyes of the maid look for the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us mercy. So the message is clear that the father is telling me in response to my children's situation that I need to look to the Lord. And I have looked to him and he's telling me to trust. He's telling me I can go in peace. He's telling me that while the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed God and did not set out. If I take matters into my own hands, then I would be getting ahead of God. What is going to be absolutely awesome is to have all of this recording right now be evidence of God's amazing faithfulness. Now, I have had a choice. I could take matters into my own hands and listen to the advice of men. I have not listened to the advice of the first man. Not. My mom came to me this morning and said, well, you know, you're supposed to take counsel from other people. And I said, mom... Kings and great men of God went straight to God, they did not go to men. When you need to understand strategies about the land and the terrain or how to operate in this particular situation or how to make this business decision sure, maybe some men could be used to count on people that are smarter than you. But when you're seeking of a spiritual matter, I'm seeking the Lord first, not men. I have not had to seek men for counsel for a long time. People might say, "Well, maybe that's why you're in the situation you're in." No. I'm in the situation I'm in because the Lord has blessed me to be totally dependent upon him and is testing my faithfulness in him. God is building a strong faith into me that I could not get any other way. And this is proof that you do not have to rely upon man, that the Bible says you do not need anyone to teach you for the anointing you received is real. And that anointing will continue to teach you. It's the Holy Spirit. The psalmist says, I, am, I, I, know more than my count, I know more than my teachers, for I have delighted in your law and your precepts have taught me and have been my counselors. So this is going to be proof when God delivers my children out of the hands of this evil that I was able to um, hear from the Lord and it shows that you can trust in the Lord. I, I will not need to intervene unless God tells me anything different between now and then. I'm going to continue to trust In the Lord on this. Praise God Almighty. It's 7.30. November 25th. 2013. I just got off the phone. With. um, The kids. And. um, I'm facing. Challenges as a father. And as a Christian. That I have never faced before. These are very unknown. Territory. My uh, Tyler is still talking to me a lot about how he's been treated by coach and that he's afraid for his life and as i'm trying to encourage him in that he says dad what happens if something happens 10 times worse and he starts talking about how he's afraid for his life and he i can tell really wants to come live with me um and so i was trying to make sure he understood the difference between a real threat and you know trying to make something more dramatic than it actually is so that you can get what you want through manipulation i was real careful to make sure i didn't push him to either side of that and let him know that i completely validated his feelings and that his feelings were real but i also used it as an opportunity to just tell him the truth that that jesus says we're not to fear those who can kill our body this is a teaching of jesus christ And that he has no reason at all to fear death. And that if he ever does die, whether it's because of somebody that hurts him or he runs out in front of a car, that within 30 seconds of him being on the other side of heaven, he'll be so absolutely thrilled that it happened, he won't know what hit him. At the same time, I told him that, you know, his fears are legitimate. um, That there is a legitimate fear of another person that God gives you so that you don't put yourself in undue harm. But that there's also inner irrational fear where... You know, he's he's still afraid right now, and his grandparents are not even there. So I was trying to explain to him that the devil will use fear to exacerbate the, the problem and make it worse, seem worse. So we prayed about it, talked a lot about it, and um, he said that there's a police officer that lives right across the street, and that if anything happened, he could run over and tell them. And i told him that i've had a prayer time with the father and that the lord has been very clear to tell me to have faith i read to him the story out of second chronicles chapter 20 of king jehoshaphat who is being threatened by three um armies three different armies are coming against him it's a vast army and he inquires of the lord and says what should we do lord we know not what to do but our eyes are on you this is a quote from king jehoshaphat and god answers to him and says you need not worry don't be afraid This battle does not belong to you. This battle belongs to the Lord. And he fights for him. In fact, all they have to do is show up and then God throws the three other armies into confusion such that they battle and destroy each other. As I was reading this to Tyler tonight, I feel like God just showed me that. That's very interesting that there's three enemies for Tyler. Grandma, Coach, and the mom. He always uh, brings up all three of them as, as really being fearful and creepy. And then... The other thing was um, the fact that God turns these three enemies against each other. Michael Commentary I cannot resist, dear brothers and sisters in Christ jumping in here and praising the Heavenly Father above in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the answered prayers for His faithfulness to speak to me and guide me and to watch over me and to watch over my children and to be so faithful to his words to me. Now, these are remarkable evidences of God that you're getting to listen to. It is perhaps quite easy listening to these recordings six or seven years after they happened to somewhat dismiss the power and to miss the reality and the danger and the the threat and the hope and the fears of what it would have been to be in these moments where these situations are actually happening right now that my son is feeling afraid for his life and I as a father who want to protect him and certainly don't want to be guilty in his eyes much less in God's eyes of being a father who turned away from helping his child I'm not concerned about what other people think, clearly, otherwise I would have already taken a different action than what you hear me taking. I would have jumped in the car, ran down and got involved and made a big show out of it to show what a wonderful dad I am. But my fear is in the fear of God and trusting in him is my top priority. It's the fruit of fearing God. You trust him. You depend upon him. And so here it is today, January 7th, 2020. It's 1 p.m. And I'm sitting at a Starbucks working on these recordings right next to my beloved 18 year old son, Tyler. This is incredible. He would have been 11 and 12 years old at this time. And I'm now sitting next to him. I put my hand on him right now. He doesn't know why. He's looking at me because he's got his headphones in because he is now working in this ministry with me. He's working on the series that you can find at relentlessheart.com called Bread from Heaven which is recordings I've made over the years to other people when they've reached out in their specific need. And here he is, all these years later, sitting right next to me as a glorious, powerful evidence that God is, above all things, faithful. And you can trust that I'm hearing from God correctly. I mean, brothers and sisters, this is the living, speaking voice of the Holy Spirit who comes to us from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, Who's giving me that counsel, just as he promises in Psalm 32 8 and Psalm 25 12, that he will give us guidance. And here you see, I don't have in these recordings seven years worth of evidence yet. I haven't been vindicated that I've heard from God, right? People still think I'm not hearing correctly from God. People still doubt that I'm hearing from God and my family members are turning from me, remembering that even Jesus's family members turned against him. And thought he was out of his mind for a time. So this is just incredible. Now, one point that is so striking to me in this is you've just heard me speak about uh, Jehoshaphat and the three enemies God turns against each other that have come against Jehoshaphat. And I said, how interesting is it that there's three enemies of Tyler in that house, the grandfather, the grandmother and uh, my ex-wife. And well, here's what's incredible. God was going to turn them against each other as well, exactly as he speaks of doing so on behalf of Jehoshaphat, saying this is my battle to face, not yours. You see, that takes tremendous faith to take your hands off of the wheel or to remove your feet from the battlefield and allow God to have the battle. It takes tremendous faith to do this, to walk to the battlefield and then stand and watch God deliver you takes tremendous faith. But there's no other way to please God. But do you know that exactly what was prophesied of Jehoshaphat and his enemies happened? Just as I'm being led of the Spirit to even realize in Tyler's situation, the exact same thing happens. I'm not going to get into personal details, but they were all turned against each other. And, and you can even hear with your own ears. I believe it is in uh, part number three or part number 5 of the series Taken Captive Trusting God Through Parental Alienation you can even hear my ex-wife in the recording on the courtroom telling the judge our lives have been destroyed our lives have been destroyed and here you see God testifying of Jehoshaphat's enemies that they will destroy one another that God will destroy them and that they don't Jehoshaphat doesn't have to do anything except for to trust God how amazing is this that some You know, 3,500 to 4,000 years later, the same living God, the great I am, not the great I was, is still at work. Just as Jesus Christ said in John 5, 17, my father is always at work and I too must work. He's the living God. He still works. He still helps people. And he's dealing with me, as you hear in these recordings, the exact same way he did thousands of years ago with these men that you and I think are maybe just a great story. No, they were historical beings. They lived and breathed and moved and had their being in Christ just like you and I did, although they didn't yet know of the living Christ, the incarnate Christ. These are men who trusted God. They had fears. They had wants. They had dreams, desires. They had enemies. They had faith. And they had hope. And here is God dealing with all these years later the exact same way by the very principles that are in the living word of God, the very copy of the word of God you have, the living word, Hebrews 4.12. Isn't this incredible? Isn't this incredible? I'm in possession of a text message that was sent to me by my son, who he had taken a screen capture off of my ex-wife's phone a long time ago that showed indeed the house of cards was imploding on itself and the grandparents were turning against my ex-wife and the siblings were turning against my ex-wife and they were demanding that she get out of the house and there was just all this hostility. And there is the confession again in that courtroom hearing. Our lives have been destroyed, not by me, but by the cursed presence that God has allowed to be on their life because of disobedience, wickedness, and hypocrisy. And all the while, I've been able to obey God, turn the other cheek, and trust Him. And so you would listen to these recordings, and they sound far fetched, and they sound unrealistic, and they sound like, man, this guy is off his rocker. Man, this guy thinks God's speaking to him through numbers. Man, God thinks, this guy thinks God is real and he still helps. And this guy thinks he can not take a job and expect God to help him. And he thinks God will provide. Well, I sit here right now as living proof, more proof than I ever had in these recordings. That the Lord Jesus Christ is every single thing he ever promised. And God the Father is faithful above all things. I now have my left hand on proof. My 18-year-old son who sits here today with me to minister on behalf of Jesus Christ. He's living proof that the living Word of God is trusted and just as Romans 10 11 says no one who trusts in him will ever be put to shame brothers and sisters never forget that's why this story is so valuable there's so many things like this that you're gonna hear as you move forward in the story that are gonna bless you to know your God is real you can trust him he will come to your rescue he will trouble those who have troubled you he will bring redemption he will answer your prayers he will come through for you our God is faithful you have to trust him The humility to know that you cannot. The faith to know that he can and will. And the patience to wait until he does. You're going to see this theme all throughout. Trusting God in the wilderness. And you will see countless hundreds of times God comes through for me. And wait until you hear. Praise God in a few recordings. I hope I captured it in just a few recordings. The interaction that God has for my son planned. To demonstrate to me. That indeed does he who formed the eyes not see. And he who formed the ears not hear. You will hear with your own ears how God was going to tell me. You can trust me, Michael, with what's going on between the grandfather and my son. I'm not going to allow him to be harmed. You can trust me. The only one that should be afraid is the grandfather. He's prepared to have a millstone hung around his neck and cast into the depths of the sea. That's what Jesus Christ said. But wait until you hear what God does for me in answer to my faith to believe him in something incredibly difficult. Where my own son's telling me he's fearing for his life and I have to really decide, am I going to trust God in this? Could I make a huge mistake and put my son's life or put my, my relationship with him at stake? He could never trust me again. He could look like, dad, you didn't come to the rescue. My brothers and sisters, this has never been a battle in the flesh. This has always been a battle of spiritual realms, spiritual forces spiritual powers in the heavenly realms this is not a battle against flesh and blood just as paul taught in ephesians 6 may god bless you as you continue to listen end of commentary and they destroy each other to where not one of them is uh, alive The, the israelites go out on the the ledge the next day the overlook and notice that everybody has killed themselves they're all dead they've killed each other so i explained to him that god showed that to me when i was in deep prayer and that among other things god has told me have faith and trust him. And I said, God, I said, Tyler, your daddy has a track record or rather God has a track record with daddy. When, when he tells me something, I do it no matter what. And I trust him. And I explained to him that I want to help him and that I want to do everything I can, but that the absolute most important thing I can do is to pray and hear from the father. Because I explained to him that he is not my son first. He belongs to the Lord. And I said, the fear, the fear that he should have is not of his grandfather, it's for his grandfather. And I explained to him what Jesus said happens to people that treat little children like this, that it would be better that they would tie a big, large rock around their neck and throw themselves into the sea. And that we actually need to be praying for Coach and for Grandma and, and Mom even more. And we need to be afraid for them, not from them or of them. And um, he kind of understood that. And he promised me of his own will that he would get off the phone and pray. And he told me the, that uh, after we got off the phone the last time, his mother had said, I don't want to hear you say anything else about your father. Your f- effing father is an effing loser. And he started to cry. He had been crying for five minutes after I got off the phone with him. And she asked him what he was crying about. And then she cussed at him. Chelsea heard it and she got all upset and went to her room and soaked her pillow. She told me tonight, went and soaked her pillow with tears because of what she heard her mom saying about her daddy. And she's okay now, but just to hear, she said that sometimes she'll cry and she says she looks up to heaven and she just says, why, why, why? And I've never heard her express herself like that before. So it was absolutely awesome to hear that she is doing what I'm telling her. She's talking to God and telling God about her concerns and, um, I told Tyler to do the same thing tonight. I told Tyler that I've made a list cause he said, dad, who can I talk to about this? You know, who do I need to talk to? And he, he even said, dad, do you think they'll even believe me? He's afraid that people aren't even going to believe him if he talks to, you know, DHR or what have you. And I said, well, look, here's what I think. And here's what I've left him at. I said, any fear you're having right now is a false fear because the person who you're afraid of is not even in the house. Your grandmother and coach are gone. And they won't be back until 2014. So I said, let's just continue to wait. I said, God has told me he's at work. Let's continue to wait and trust him. And we will see um, when they come back. I said, Tyler, I believe if they come back and they do any of this again, then we need to tell somebody. If there's another incident, we need to have somebody brought in. And I said, if you can't get in touch with me, immediately tell somebody at your school. And I said, I have made a list of all these things. And he said, do you have like a list? I said, well, I've made journal recordings. He said, is it like on a list, dad? So I am really torn because I know that he wants to come live with me something bad. He's wanted to for a while. And I'm wanting to make sure that he's not making out this fear to be something that's more than it should be. Although the physical abuse enough is, is terrible. I mean, to have him be stood on full weight by a 250 pound man to teach him a lesson. And even Chelsea said tonight, she's like, dad, do you know that coach did that to, you know, Tyler? And I said, yes. And so hearing all that just breaks my heart. But I just know that I know that I know after what happened yesterday morning with God, that God is up to something that he is doing something. This is another huge test. I saw 666 three times today and now I know why. So I have to continue to trust the Lord. You know, I have to ask myself, do I believe God can do all those amazing things He did with the court, but He can't even protect my own children from this evil man? The answer is no. Of course I believe He can. So, I, um... It's just horrible to hear my children have to go through this. I mean, just horrible. But I feel good that I have explained it the way I have. I've been able to share both sides of it, and... It's just horrible to hear them, you know, him screaming and yelling and, you know, doing these kind of things. And he asked me, he said, Dad, how did Coach get like this? He's like, how did he get so angry? I said, her he was like that before he even met your father. So he's just mad at me now. But he's been like this. He even confessed to me he was like this when their kids were little. when his, You know, when, when um, mom and the brother and sister were little. But he asked me and I explained to him I said somebody was mean to him he had a very mean father and he's hurt and he's passing on the hurt and I said if it wouldn't be for what God's doing in your daddy's heart said if your daddy died tomorrow and you didn't have anybody to tell you these things and to tell you that you're valuable and to tell you how much God loves you and to tell you that you can forgive somebody in spite of the evil I said Tyler you would likely turn out just like your grandfather I said you would turn around and do the same kind of thing to your children that he's doing to you And he says, oh, no, dad, I would never treat my children like this. He said, because you're telling me. He says, I have you and you're telling me how to live different. And I just think to myself, oh, there's no greater purpose for my existence than that. And here I am, 680 miles away, feeling completely helpless. And yet my kids cry when they hear their father talked bad about and they know to go to father in prayer and they're living out to the best of their ability the things that I've taught them and they they're clinging to the truth that I'm I'm sharing with them it's just it's just incredible but I can't wait to see them set free from this I know it's got to be only a matter of time before God is going to set them free and this is another test will I jump in at the last minute and take matters into my own hands and try to save my own children and what greater test could I have what greater test of my faith in God there is no Thing on earth not cancer not death nothing could test me I'm not afraid of losing my life I gladly welcome it but having my children be messed with like this is pushing me and I don't care what people say about me I don't care about my own relatives mistreating me persecuting me I'm over that it hurt for a while but I'm over it now but you messing with my children is is the greatest test of my faith do I really trust God or is it that he is now impotent, unable to fulfill his promises to me for my children because they are so valuable to me, because the weight is so great, because the risk of not getting them safe is so high. Will I now take matters into my own hands and get ahead of God? I can clearly see how I would want to do this, but I have a peace that God is saying, if you will trust me, and I know one day I will be making a journal entry about how God turned this whole thing around and how now I have custody of my children or there's been something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. And I trust that God is is setting something up here. I've just been in the living room in the dark, just praying to God, begging him for mercy, to have compassion upon and have mercy upon me and provide me the finances so that I can pay for my kids' child support and so that I can bless my enemy. I feel so bad for a child. And I know God is allowing this to happen for a reason. I just felt such compassion for her, and I want to pay her the money so bad. And um, You know, after hearing that my kids are going to bed at night crying because, you know, having her scream, you know, your dad's an effing loser. Don't ever bring that up. Don't ever talk about coach again, da-da-da-da-da. And I just got up... A- from praying, literally while I was praying, I was trying to hide out in the living room. I get up, head towards my door, and here comes my mom wanting to ask what happened with the kids. And I tried to dismiss her quick. I said, it's bad. They're going to go going to bed at night and told her the whole thing. she goes, they need the money. They need the money. And just walked away. And I said, well, I'm trusting God, so it's happening for a reason. And as she walks away, I just realized just the evil, even in that, to suggest... For one second, that my son fearing for his life because of what his grandfather is doing to him has anything to do with me not paying child support. Like somehow or another me not being able to pay child support right now justifies child abuse and him, my son feeling like he's going to lose his life at the hands of his grandfather. That somehow or another that's happening. It's my fault. Because I'm not paying child support this man was like this before he ever even knew me I just see how the enemy I see why I see this 666 is here I am asking God and trusting him and feeling compassion and then he tries to send an offense my way through my own mother again who says well they need the money after I told her all that's you know the just the highlighted version of what's going on um, I just I know more and more even just by that reaction that God is doing this all very much for a reason. I, I don't know why fully, but I, I know God's ways more now than I ever have. And I recognize that He's working all of this together for the good. That He's allowing them to feel this, this frustration and anger for a reason. He may be giving them the due penalty of their sin by hardening their heart even more. And uh, allowing them to receive a punishment. I don't know. I do not know. All I know is that I'm going to continue to trust God. Sad situation, but I cannot not trust the Lord. I have got to trust Him over man. Michael Commentary. Brothers and sisters, I wish I could do an entire separate audio series on just the question that I'm talking about here at the end of this recording. About I'm not entirely sure why God is doing all of this, But I know in faith he's doing it for a reason. And seven years later, I can tell you I know exactly why God was doing this. I knew in part then. And I've sprinkled some of those truths around these recordings as God is revealing more and more to me. But seven years later, I can tell you that our God operates on principles. He's dealing with me the same way he dealt with Abraham, the same way he dealt with Joseph, the same way he dealt with King David, the same way he deals with our Lord Jesus Christ, the same way he deals with the Apostle Paul and all the disciples. God is a God of principles, he's not a God of favoritism, and he honors those who are faithful. The principle that's at work right here in these recordings is a principle that will be in the work and must be at work in the life of any Christian, whether you're a full time minister, vocational in the Lord like I am, or you're just a full time follower of Christ, which all of us are to be. It's the principle of death unto life. It's the principle of taking up your cross, being obedient unto death Brothers and sisters, I've never been more confident to tell you that the only way to full blessing in God is through the death of taking up your cross and denying yourself. What God is working in me in this particular season that you're hearing about and trusting God in the wilderness is God is working the cross of death If any man would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The only thing Jesus said we have to do daily is to take up our cross. Jesus said if anyone loves his life, he will lose it. If anyone tries to find his life, he will lose it. But if anyone loses his life, that's you taking all that's in you, all that's in self, and putting it up on a cross and killing it. And doing it day after day after day. If you will do what you hear me doing in these recordings. I cannot overemphasize this. If you will do and you'll take up your cross. And you'll suffer yourself to death. On behalf of your Lord. You will come to life in Christ. There is no such thing as authentic crucifixion. That does not lead to authentic blessed resurrection. But there is no such thing as a blessed resurrection and the life that comes therein, which is an honorable life, a raised up life, a glorified life. You cannot have that without death, without crucifixion. You see, when Abraham is given this promise that he's going to be the father of many nations and that if he could possibly count all the stars in the sky, Mind you, when you and I look up, if uh, those of us who live in cities, we look up, we don't see near the multitude of stars that Abraham would have saw. My dear brother Jared and his wife Kristen just came back from a week-long camping experience somewhere way out in the wilderness at a huge park in Texas. And he said, Mike, I've never seen so many stars in my life. When you get that far out where there's no city lights, and it's like 800,000 acres of wilderness. I'm talking about you can get lost and die type of wilderness they went in. He said, I've never seen so many stars. You know, how many more stars would Abraham have seen when there were no cities with lights anywhere? So God tells Abraham, go out and look at up all the stars and count them if you can. I'm going to make your descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky, which sounds completely impossible. But in order for God to give Abraham that increase, Abraham had to be willing to suffer the same cross that you hear me suffering in these recordings. The taking up of the cross. What you hear in trusting God in the wilderness is a constantly taking up my cross, constantly denying myself the right to save myself, to save my finances, to save my dignity, to save my career, to save my image and to save even my children. God is not permitting me to save anything. If any man finds his life, if any man saves his life, he will lose it. This is exact opposite of what Jesus Christ taught. All of us that want to go save our life, all of us that want to go find our life, we're doing exactly as the world does. God says, nope, Abraham, take that Isaac, who all of the promises I've given you must come through, put him on the altar and kill it. Remember, Jesus taught in John chapter 12, 24, the exact principle that we can see because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus Christ is. I believe it's Hebrews thirteen eight. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So he's working the same way through Jesus as he did through Abraham, as he is now through Michael, as he is and, and or will through you. Jesus said, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus taught the principle of abundance, a principle of increase that can only come through such decrease as that of death. You have to be willing to die. There is no other way and you're fooling yourself and you're wasting your time and everybody else's time around you, especially God's and you're playing with God. Not that God is subject to time, but you're still playing with God. If you're not fully taking up your cross and denying yourself. This is why Jesus said count the cost. This is why he said there are so few that find the way which leads to life in Matthew 7, 13 through 14. That narrow road, that small gate that leads to life, and only a few find it because how many people want to die on a cross? Self is the greatest devil in all of creation. You don't have to be possessed of a spiritual devil. You're possessed of one of the worst devils in the entire universe. You, self. It is a devil. But if you'll die to that devil, if you'll kill that devil, if you'll deny yourself, take up your cross, God promises increase. He doesn't promise it to Michael. He doesn't promise it just to Abraham. He didn't promise it just to Jesus. Look at the increase that Jesus Christ saw because as it says in Philippians, he who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead took on the form of a bondservant and became obedient, obedient even unto death. And as a result of his obedience unto death, God is able to increase him. And now look at this, 2,000 years later, the kingdom of God has, has, has spread itself through the word of Christ, the spirit of Christ, all over, touching every nation, every tribe, every tongue, virtually every people group, not entirely, but close. The angel in Revelation will take care of the ones that we miss, where he goes and pronounces the gospel to every tribe, every language, every land. But think about it. Did Jesus get some increase through his death yes or no? Did Abraham increase as a result of him being willing to take up his cross, denying himself and slaying the very vessel of which the promise was supposed to come through or at least preparing to slay him? Brothers and sisters, when I look at my ministry now, I'm now wearing a uh, a shirt that Tyler and I have just bought as work shirts. And on the back of the shirt, uh, it has the YouTube logo at the top and then below it, it says 10 million views, 90,000 subscribers, all have come to hear about Jesus Christ and how he had mercy on my life. Michael Criswell, RelentlessHeart.com. All of this increase, listen, is this the biggest YouTube channel? Not by far. It's a very tiny YouTube channel by the way of YouTube channels. But the world is the majority and so naturally the worldly YouTube channels are going to have way more subscribers. What I'm talking about is look at my little life. Has there been an increase? Has it been substantial? The increase, where did the increase come from? It came from decrease unto death. What you are hearing in trusting God in the wilderness is Michael Criswell repeatedly dying over and over and over. I'm having to deny self, to deny my understanding, to deny my desires, to deny my emotions, to deny my hopes, to deny what I think is best to do and to deny all of those people around me who are telling me I should do what seems natural, what comes to human understanding. I have to deny all of those things, so I have to actually fight to kill myself. Nobody is standing around me in these recordings going, yeah, Mike, take up your cross, deny yourself, you know, life out of death, yes, brother, lose your life to find it. Nobody's telling me this. On the contrary, everybody's standing around going, man, don't do this. You got to save those kids. You got to save yourself. You got to get the money. You got to get the job. You got to take care of yourself. Now, my brothers and sisters, can you see no one who trusts in him will ever be put to shame. Who's put to shame now? Is it not those who stood against me and stood against God, more importantly, and their unbelief? Is it not those who should be ashamed and who should repent and say, God, have mercy on me, that I wouldn't believe you, the almighty, powerful, the great I am. Instead, I thought of you as the great I was. I didn't join with Michael in his faith. I didn't pray for him. You see, God had a purpose for this. I had to be alone. My faith had to be proven true. But, brothers and sisters, life from death. You can now see, as you listen to this recording, all of the fruit. All of the changed lives, brothers and sisters, if you are one hearing my voice now who has known for a fact that God led you by the power of the Holy Spirit to this ministry, that he spoke great words of conviction or great words of encouragement or great words of life to you, that you've sent me an email and testified, brother Michael, God led me. If you're one of the thousands that I've received this email from. You can testify and know the life in you is a result of the work of the death of Christ in me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Those of us who are alive are always being given over to death. The death of Christ is always at work in us daily so that the life of Christ may be revealed also in our mortal bodies. Brothers and sisters, what you're hearing in my life that comes out of every pore of my being is the life of Christ, is the rivers of living water that he promises in John 7, 37. Life from death, increase from cross, resurrection from crucifixion. It is a promise of God. What is it that you're hoping so much for? What is it that you're longing for? What is it that you're death gripping in your life? What is it that's worldly? What is it that's of self? Put it down. Let it die. Take up your cross. And I promise, brothers and sisters, you too will see increase. You could see more. You could see less. It doesn't matter. That's God's will. But you will see increase. That is the principle that's at work throughout these whole series of recordings. Constantly, you're going to hear... Man, Michael is suffering a lot. Brothers and sisters, this is why if you want to have an anointed ministry, even if you want to have a real authentic walk with Christ so that you hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, and you don't hear, flee from me, I never knew you, you're going to have to suffer a great deal because your flesh is alive and willing. Every day it wants to jump up and have its way, and you have to take the cross and smack it down every single day every day. Brothers and sisters, if you'll do it, you'll see amazing life. If you want to ever, if those of you have been called, you feel to minister on behalf of God, please wait until you know he's called you. But if you would want to have an anointed ministry, you're getting an idea of listening to this recording, what you're going to have to go through. Show me somebody anywhere in Christian history that had an anointed Christian ministry that God was pleased to put his seal of approval on, changing the lives of countless thousands of people through it that didn't go through extreme amounts of suffering and death on their cross repeatedly. Show me somebody, please. I have never in all 30 years of being a Christian heard of anybody that God ever used in any way that didn't suffer a great deal of death on the cross. Listen, not suffering from their own ridiculous, nonsense, foolish decision making in their life. Not, oh, you won't believe what so-and-so did or what happened when I did this or how long I did this. That suffering counts for nothing unless, of course, it brings you to your knees humbled before God. This is not commendable before God when you suffer for sin and foolishness. I am not talking about that. I am talking about the kind of suffering that comes from your fear of God, your desire to please Him, and then God calls you to pick up the steak knife and hold it to your own throat and to deny yourself. God calls you to put the own nails in your hand, putting yourself on the cross. That is the kind of suffering you have to be willing to go through in order to have any kind of an increase in your personal walk with Christ or in any kind of ministry that God may give you. Listen to the rest of these recordings. And listen to how much death, how much cross, every suffering. Every time you hear me saying, oh man, it's getting hard. Oh man, I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to hold back. And how many times have you heard me in this recording saying, but I'm going to trust God. Every time I say I'm going to trust God, I'm also saying, but I'm going to deny myself but I'm gonna take up my cross. That's what I want you to hear in the rest of these recordings, God willing, is every time you hear me put down my own understanding or somebody else's great opinion about what I should do, you wanna hear me saying, I'm trusting God, I'm denying myself, I'm taking up my cross, I'm crucifying the flesh. That's what you hear, and the result, all these years later, is an abundance of life and an abundance of resurrection for other people, not only myself, but for other people because I too was willing to follow my Lord and be obedient even unto death. Trust me, death would have been a lot easier than what I've been going through with all of this stuff. Death would have been a lot easier. It'd be over with a long time ago and I could have skipped all this suffering. But there's no life that comes out of that. God is had a plan to bring much life and much increase. I thank him, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to the Lord God who's obedient. Thanks be to the Lord God who is so faithful to his word. Please, none of this is of me. All of this is of him. My only part was to agree with him to be willing to die. And if you'll do the same thing, God's word is already in agreement with you and the promises stand there waiting to be fulfilled in your life. End of commentary. last night after I got off the phone with Tyler I sat down to read the word after I prayed I got on my knees and prayed and I got in my bed and got the Bible and just started flipping to the New Testament and literally grabbed a handful of pages turned and opened and the Bible opened directly to page 1515 which is one of the first numbers God showed me to lead me to now 1122 number which is Luke 1122 have faith in God Jesus answered This is incredible um you know the other day when i was lamenting on the mountain i was on a voice message talking about my strain for faith and i ended up stopping right at and looking at an 1122 on a mailbox and then i've seen it several times and then last night that was just so awesome it was like god just giving me a kiss on the forehead as i turned my page right there bam have my eyes went right to the scripture have faith in god he is so faithful to sustain us by His grace. People will want to give me credit for the faith that I have had in God when He delivers me, but I cannot take credit for it because God has sustained me. I have given Him a mustard seed, and He's given me His grace, which has grown it into a tree that is so large. It is Him that's done this. Later, but. Um... It is 10:53 on uh, November 26, 2013. I'm riding with Chris, and just going to do a double, two birds with one stone here. But so, okay, so here's what happens: that I have this long conversation with my son Tyler last night, who sounds really down, really subdued. And I said, Tyler, what you know? What's the matter, son? And I said, well, How are you feeling? He says, I'm still afraid, Dad. He's like, I'm still afraid of when he comes back. And he goes, I wish I was 13. He's wanting to be able to choose who he can live with. He has, I told him that I've heard that it's possible. I said, don't get your hopes up, but I've heard it's possible. And I said, but let's not put our hope in our hopes. Let's put our hope in God. Let me tell you how, what God has told me. Okay. And so I explained the whole thing to him about I could quickly jump in and create a bunch of drama to save him because I want to save him. I want you to know, I want to save you. I don't want you to have to go through this. I don't want you to have to be afraid. I said, but Tyler, one thing I trust more than anything is my ability to hear from the Father. And I trust him, as you know, more than anything. So I told him this big, huge, long conversation. I wish I would have recorded it. It was very spirit led. And he asked some really good questions. We got through it and I had peace. And I basically told him that the Father is telling me to trust Him. I said, I know this doesn't sound good for you. I said, but Tyler, God is telling me to trust Him. And I said, Tyler, God sees every single thing that's being done to you. And I said, you should not be afraid of Grandpa. You should be afraid for Grandpa. Let me tell you why. And I began to explain to him what the Bible says and what Jesus taught about those that would do harm to little children like this okay I said we need to be afraid for him that doesn't that's not to lessen the fact that you feel threatened but here's what you do if you feel threatened he says dad i got a police officer living across the street now he goes i could run across the street and i said see that should make you feel better you got a police officer living right across the street if something happens you run across point is he's not there now we have time we can wait and trust the lord i said i i you just got to trust me god is doing something behind the scenes if you feel threatened." And I'm not there to help you. The quickest thing you can do is tell a teacher or a principal at school, somebody will get you help. You call me first, you can't get in touch with me, then you call the school. That's it. That's how it works, okay? Real simple plan. So I get off the phone. I have peace. I go to sleep. I've been sleeping like a baby for months. I mean, I've only ever had, I think, like one or two nights where I've woken up at three and, and uh, one of them was that one sexual night that I was going to come against I was going to tell you guys about my own temptation and the enemy tried to wake me up in the middle of the night and all that. But other than that, I've been sleeping like a baby. Total peace in spite of my circumstances. So I wake up this morning, go into my Bible study, and I start reading the George Mueller book. And I'm just blown away by the stuff I'm reading in George Mueller's book about faith and how to live by faith. What to expect when you live by faith. I mean, I'm going to read you some things. And I was just cracking up. It was just so encouraging to my soul. And I just began to worship God and thank Him. So there's a lady in Florida who has been reaching out to me. Uh, I know of her for years. Her husband and I, he used to be my phone vendor at my gym. I've known him that long. He helped me move my business the night we lost everything. She, he has ended up leaving her a couple of months ago. Well, she, she's she got her own little ministry. We've been in touch. And she's just been such a good friend to pray. She gets it on another level that very few people get. So she's been praying. So this morning I was going to send her this journal entry so she could pray for the kids and um, i started listening to the journal entry and this is from a couple of days ago right before i'm going to fast and pray and ask the father what do you want me to do about this situation with my children god what do you how do you want me to respond and one of the scriptures i quoted is there's a scripture that says does he who created the eye not see and he who created the ear not hear And it just came out of me in my journal entry. And I heard it this morning while I was listening to my journal entry. And as I heard that come out of my mouth from the journal entry, I said, I need to look up that scripture and see what scripture it is. I think it's one of the numbers that God's been showing me. And I can't remember which one it was. Hmm. (laughs) 10 minutes later, I finished listening to the journal entry. And I'm like, oh, I almost forgot. I need to look up that scripture. Oh, God is so awesome, man. God is so awesome, Chris. <laughs> so my phone has been sitting there. This You're going to see how this works. And I have countless numbers of times this has happened. This is the life right here. This is what you shoot for. Not that your circumstances get working, but that God works in spite of your circumstances. That God shows you He's with you. You understand? That's when you know you have something that everybody in the world would like to have. Okay, you've got this. You've got to get this. This is, so, I open up my phone. I click my phone. It's 9:49, and I'm like, man. Okay, God. I know that's a number two I need. I can't remember what that is. I, I don't remember if you've already shown me what scripture that is. But I know I need to look that one up too. I just. I keep seeing the 9:49. <laughs> so I open up my phone. It's 9:49. Well, what am I looking for? I'm looking for the scripture. That says, Does he who created the ear not see the eye not see and the ear not hear? Right? So I'm looking for that scripture. I click the phone, and the big screen comes up and says it's 9:49. I click to the scriptures, Chris, as God as my witness. 949. Look at this. Hang on, watch, watch. What time is it? 9:49. 9:49 on the clock. 9:49 is the scripture. What's the scripture? Does he who implanted the ear not hear? Does he who formed wow. the eye not see? Wow. <laughs> Unreal, man. <laughs> I should say real. Yes, real, it's real. real. It's Psalm <laughs> 9, 9949. Wow. Does he who implanted the ear not hear? Does he who have formed the eye not see? And what God has been trying to show me this, and in my spirit I've been speaking this to my kids, is that, Guys, God sees all of this that's being done to you. If he sees it, he's going to manage it. He's going to protect you. I said, Tyler, nobody can do anything to you, son, that God doesn't allow. Satan can't do anything to you. Grandpa can't do anything to you. Your own father can't do anything to you that God would not allow. And I said, Tyler, I know you don't want to hear this. I said, but worst case scenario, if somebody did take your life it's only because God allowed it and he wanted you to be with him in 30 seconds after you die you're going to be like wow why didn't this happen sooner and I said you that is truth what I'm telling you now I'm not saying you should want to die necessarily but Tyler you don't have anything to fear and I just began to teach him you know God says don't fear those who can kill the body but after that can do nothing to the soul but fear the one who after the body is dead can throw the soul into hell fear God not man but nobody can do anything to you. And here, look at what God is doing. Buddy, I just had the biggest smile. I immediately got up and went and got on my face in my bedroom and quietly just worshipped and worshipped and worshipped. And I have just had this smile and this joy on my face as God confirming what's already in my spirit. That he sees everything that's being done to my children. He sees everything that's being said and done to me. And you can totally trust in God. Him is that? Is God amazing or what, brother? Right. Huh? Right. Okay. So here's what happens. I'm praising God over this. Come out of my bathroom, out of my room. Start packing my stuff up. My mom comes into my my room. My mom has been up, by the way, all night long. I woke up at 5:15. My mom was sitting in her chair, and I had heard her like at about one o'clock in the morning, walking down the hallway. She was up reading the Bible. She's tore up. She's freaking out over my situation. So immediately I wake up this morning. and I'm like, okay, I know how this is going to go, right? Mm-hmm. So you see how God is honoring my faith. He's building up my faith this morning. Wait until I share with you what's in the book mm-hmm. by George Mueller, okay? So then she comes into my room and she says, did Rusty not have his <clears throat> meeting this morning, his Tuesday morning meeting this morning because of Thanksgiving? And I said, oh, I don't know. Why? I said, I don't know. Oh, I, said, I think I said, I don't know. And she said, oh, well, how come you didn't go? Have you quit? And I said, yeah, I've decided not to go. She stammers out of my room and basically says, well, that doesn't sound too smart. And stammers down the room. And then about 20 seconds later, these words come out of her mouth loud enough for my stepfather and I both to hear. That's a sure sign something is really wrong right there. That's a sure sign something is really wrong. What'd you say, honey? He says, Oh, there's the Michael's decided to quit. That's a sure sign there's something wrong. So you can see, God has just completely (laughs) filled me with faith, Mm -hmm. just completely overwhelmed me by I see all that's going on. (laughs) Then my mother turns around in a total slap in the face to faith and accuses me without knowing any information of now saying there's something wrong. Do you see how evil it is? But watch, I immediately go into the bathroom and begin to thank God for using my mother this way. And I'm laughing in the shower, not in arrogance, but in full of joy that's overflowing out of me as I see more and more how God is using even my own mother to test me. He's using her to test me and to strengthen me, Chris. Mm Mm-hmm. To where I'm not mad at her, I'm totally I totally get it. I see that it's Satan, it's not my mom being, it's Satan that's using her to try to 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 stand against me. And Chris, the persecution just continues to strengthen my faith. I am telling you what. You are going to see an amazing thing that God is about to do because I have put it all on the line not to prove me right but to prove God right I'm working for his glory and he continues to sustain me man and brother as everybody doubts me you know I can tell even my own pastor is probably kind of like alright Chris well you know it's just like the 777 court thing nobody believed me people thought I was nuts man (laughs) you understand I understand So I'm just telling you, with it building up to this kind of a crescendo here where God is just telling me, he's telling me, don't seek your approval from man. You don't need a man to to give you faith in anything. Have faith in me, Michael. Right, right. I've graduated from needing a man to teach me. I now am led, as you can see, every day by the Lord, multiple times a day. I feel like I'm going to burst. I mean, I'm just like, God... Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for doing this, Lord. In spite of the fact that my circumstances, you know, (laughs) God is just amazing. And I just, it's, Chris, when you see a direct hit from Satan right after you're filled with faith like that, you can, you know God is with you. He's trying to assault that faith. and, And it didn't do anything but to say, aha, thank you, God. I see it. I see it. So now what the Lord is helping me prepare for is staying humble because when he delivers me, it's going to humble me like crazy. I'm going to be so like, oh my God, oh my God. Just like it did. I fell on my face and cried my eyes out for 20 minutes when God delivered me in court. It's so humbling. So the Lord's preparing my heart for that humility of that and preparing me to just be real calm and not ever, ever go back and say, see, I told you so, but to allow The weight of the deliverance itself and my quiet reservation, my quiet confidence in the Lord to be the coals that are dumped in their lap. Not my words of, see, I told you so. You understand? Just God's already preparing me. Just be real calm about it. Trust me. I'm going to deliver you. The deliverance alone will be to their shame. You understand? Right. Because they didn't believe. Right. So... I am uh, just been finding my heart knowing that God is setting up something extraordinary and that I just have to prepare my heart. But man, I am just praising God. Thank you, Lord. Oh my God, my God, my King, my God, my Savior. Thank you, Lord.